Welcome to the Newsflash. I'm Sarah Devlin, and this past weekend, people all across the country turned out to the March for Our Lives, demanding stricter gun laws. Two of our reporters, Editor-in-Chief Jemima McAvoy and News Editor Sakshi Venkatraman, were in Washington, D.C. and New York, respectively. They join me now. Thanks for being on. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So, Jemima, tell me first about the March for Our Lives in D.C., So the March for Our Lives was a protest organized by the survivors of the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School on February 14th. Across the U.S., in fact, in every single state, millions of people came out to march in favor of better gun control legislation in light of the many, many mass shootings in schools, churches, nightclubs, at concerts. Nowhere feels safe anymore, and the movement even made it to other countries. D.C., however, was the hub of all of that, and an estimated 800,000 people marched in D.C. on Saturday. The streets were filled for hours before the march, which was scheduled to begin at noon. The march was actually more of an event. Um, It went on from 12 until 3 p.m., and basically survivors from the Parkland shooting and from other shootings around the U.S., um, specifically Sandy Hook, came on stage to talk about their experience after um, the mass shootings at their schools. Also, students from different cities around the U.S., like Los Angeles and Chicago, that are plagued by gun violence, came on to the stage and talked about um, the importance of better legislation and how their families had been affected by shootings. It was pretty tearful, touching. Um, The crowd was super respectful, and I really didn't see much counter-protest during the whole thing. What policies were these protesters demanding specifically? They didn't go into specific policies so much, just demanding better regulation as a whole for guns. Um, They talked a lot about politicians that supported the NRA and um, the many, many politicians who haven't come out with a particular political stance on gun control and how those people are harmful um, as representatives because they end up going with where the money is, and that's usually with um, groups like the NRA. One very important factor that they stressed was going out to vote as a way of voting in representatives who have similar aligned views on gun control. Um, And vote them out was a constant chant that echoed throughout the audience between each of the speakers. Um, The audience was advocating to vote out representatives who didn't advocate for gun control. So, Sakshi, you were in New York covering the same event. What was that like? So, um, the New York event, even though it was smaller, I think it was estimated that there were around 200,000 in attendance. It was um, extremely rousing and sad for many people, but at the same time, the atmosphere um, was lively and supportive. There, um, there were also speakers there that were victims of gun violence. There was one speaker um, who was a survivor of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting, and um, her speech brought many people in the audience to tears. There were also speakers from Black Lives Matter and other groups who, um, who also are standing up for uh, an end to gun violence and um, a lot of people whose families have been affected by gun violence as well. What was it like being at these events? I imagine emotions must have run pretty high. 
Definitely. One of the most emotional moments for me was when one of the speakers on stage whose twin brother was murdered on the way back from an SAT prep course or a college prep course, um, he came on stage and talked about his brother and gun control. And then at one point during his speech, midway through, he asked the audience um, if anyone, anyone who had been affected by gun violence to raise their hands. And my view is fairly obstructed just because I'm quite short and everyone around me was pretty tall. But within the small circle of people that I could see, so many hands raised up, like several hands within a very small sample size. And I just looked at these people who were people of all ages, all skin colors, all, all backgrounds, I'm sure, came from far away to come to D.C. And I just... It really put into perspective how many people's lives are actually affected by gun violence, whether it's someone you know, someone in your family. Um, so that was a pretty dark moment. Also, on stage, one of the um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School victims, midway through her speech, she threw up on stage. She was um, talking directly to politicians about their lack of action in some kind of a creative writing. She was reading out loud her creative writing and she just got super emotional and threw up on stage and nobody in the audience really knew what to do so they just clapped her on. I believe that all of the cameras that had been following her um, veered away for the moment to give her some privacy. She took a couple of seconds and then immediately continued talking and said something along the lines of, I just threw up on national stage and it feels amazing. So even though it was a dark event and we heard from these young people who are advocating for things that they shouldn't have to advocate for um, they're doing the jobs of the adults who have clearly failed to do so it filled me with a lot of hope I think most of the people that I spoke to were also very hopeful because of the sheer number of people who came out so um, just the entire march for me was extremely emotional, definitely. Just even being there objectively as a journalist, it was hard to, um, it was hard not to, to show emotion when these kids were speaking. A couple of, of moments that really stood out to me and definitely um, made me take a step back and have to take a breath before I continued reporting or um, continued marching were, um, when one of the librarians that was working in Sandy Hook Elementary School when there was a mass shooting there described her experience and um, she described hiding 18, eight or nine year old students in, um, in the library. And she talked about um, the pride she had seeing the students from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas speak up and try to make change. And she talked about how the five and six year olds that were killed at Sandy Hook didn't have that ability. And it just, it made everyone in the audience like collectively shake their heads and cry because it was just such an emotional moment. And then Megan Bonner, the speaker for Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, um, she was talking about her friend who, um, who was killed, um, her friend Elena, who was one of, among those killed at the MSD shooting in February. And she broke down in tears in the middle of her speech, and it was definitely an emotional moment for everyone else there as well. Um, there were also survivors of other mass shootings. There was a survivor of the Las Vegas shooting speaking there. 
um, his experience talking about the PTSD that he's um, he's been through since then. It it was just uh, it was definitely an event that made me reevaluate and just kind of I had to collect myself several times because just objectively it was extremely extremely emotional and very sad at certain points. So I understand you both talked to people at the protests. What did kind of the average person have to say about the protest? One lady that I spoke to, I wanted to talk to teachers specifically because I thought it was interesting to see how they viewed the event. Like, did it make them more afraid seeing all of these people who had experienced such terror within schools? Or did it give them hope to know that these students are the heart of a movement which may actually impact um, gun legislation? And this one teacher that I found was actually impacted by gun violence in that she lived in she lives in the Connecticut area near where Sandy Hook Elementary School is. And one of her friends is one of her friends's six year old was killed in the in the mass shooting. And she talked about how her own son was friends with um, the oldest son of this of this child and how she is friends with the mother and how watching this family suffer has been extremely traumatic for her and how it's unfair so that was a pretty powerful conversation and that was just me choosing one random person from the crowd to talk to and the first person I chose was affected by gun violence so that was fairly telling I live in Newtown Connecticut okay. I have a friend whose six-year-old was killed in Sandy Hook I've lived You're welcome. with that trauma and watched her pain for the last six years. Mm -hmm. I've watched her older son, who was best best friends with my son, um, grow up with that pain and feel that pain every single time he reaches a new developmental milestone, and it's not fair to any person. Yeah to have to yeah, go through that pain. Um, it's not fair to my friend to wake up without her son every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's not fair for her to say, I should have just let him stay home that day because he wasn't feeling right. I really and truly believe that the reason that all of the killing is happening is because of capitalism and the greed of the gun manufacturers mm -hmm. and I don't I don't think it's right that they are able to exercise so much power under the guise of the second amendment. Additionally, I noticed that there were a lot of young kids at the event, which I thought was interesting. I picked one young girl in front of me who was on her mother's shoulders for the whole time, holding this sign high in the air. She was super into the protest. And I just wanted to learn more about the motivation behind bringing young children to the event. This is probably the most important issue to me of everything that's going on right now in politics. Um, and if there's one thing that drives me crazy it's the leadership in the NRA yeah. and how money is just buying our government through the NRA or buying politicians and no one really cares what anyone else thinks except as long as they get money they're the politicians get money they're happy yeah so 
I don't know. I think it's a great experience for my daughter to bring her out here to kind of see what a march is, what you do, how you make change. Hopefully, I have hopes that maybe this will be it, but um, I don't know. Do you mind if I ask her a question? Absolutely. She'll be happy to. What do you think of the march so far? I think it's um, great. It's going great. Yeah. At the New York protest, I, I also spoke to a few families that had um, that had young children with them. I spoke to one woman in particular who had two of her daughters with her. I yeah, I mean, I she does not like to hear even the word gun, but and I try to. I mean, she doesn't know what happened at Sandy Hook. That I will not you know share with her for years. But she does know what happened in high school, and the kids talk now in school, and we. I don't know. I mean, there's you know she hasn't voice any concern of her safety. I don't think she's made that connection, luckily, but I know other older students do, and I just have to not let her worry. You know, I don't want her to, you know, I'll ask the questions that she asks, and I have the news on in the morning at times, but I hope that she doesn't make the connection, I think, you know, I think it's still far from her understanding that it could, God forbid, happen near her, you know. Um, one of her daughters named Noah is eight years old, and she had another daughter, Isla, who was three that she was holding. And um, she she talked to me about how she thinks that them witnessing this protest is an important thing for them, but also um, discussed the difficulties that she had broaching the topic of, of gun violence. And um, although they were coming to this protest, she, she talked about how hard it was for her to explain why this protest was happening. And um, she, she talked about Sandy Hook in particular and how um, she never wants to have that conversation with her daughter about what happened at the elementary school. But children talk, and at her daughter's elementary school, um, students know about the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, and her daughter obviously has questions. And she's, she's, trying to, she's trying to keep her away from that as much as possible because she doesn't ever want her to be afraid or worried. But um, she, the mother that I talked to, the same woman, is also a teacher in Stamford, Connecticut. And she talked about feeling unsafe in her own school after such events um, as the shootings that have continued even after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. She said that they've had several lockdowns, but she doesn't feel safe because her classroom is in the interior of the school and there are windows um, around her. So she doesn't, she doesn't feel safe during the lockdown drills. And um, she talks about being worried for her students and herself. But um, mainly she said that she was out at the protest for her daughters and her one big worry was that even though the protest was wonderful for her, she's afraid that nothing will ever change and that even something this big isn't big enough to get big money out of politics and make um, actual legislation happen, which was a sad thought. Thank you to Jemima and Sakshi for providing today's story. You can email us any comments or suggestions or questions about the show at engineering at nyunews.com. Uh, please rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. It means the world to us. And you can find us on all other podcatching platforms as well. I'm Sayer Devlin. This was the Newsflash. Flash.